Welcome to Business Class Money Minutes, powered by American Express. This is the podcast unpacking big money topics for small business owners, providing you with the tools and insights to solve those common financial headaches and challenges. I'm your host, founder and entrepreneur, Sharmadine Reed, and today we're talking about partnerships. Some of the most successful companies in the world use business collaborations to scale, increase profits, and get more brand awareness to their business. They also get access to new customers and added value for existing customers through these deals. But how do you define what success looks like for your business and what's the ROI? To find out, I'm joined by Victoria Prue, the CEO of Her, a fashion marketplace that changes the way we wear clothes. The business started just three and a half years ago with 130 signed partnerships, 30 marketing partnerships and a growth rate and get this of 700% versus last year. That's incredible, Victoria. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's been a busy few years. Victoria, could you just explain to our listeners exactly how your business model works? Yes, absolutely. So we are building the home for circular fashion here at Her. We combine a hybrid model. So we have a peer-to-peer community where people can rent and lend their own wardrobes. So I can take my dress, I can put it on your wrap and then you, you can, can make rent money. It. Yeah, exactly. We have women and men who have left their full-time jobs to rent their wardrobes, which is amazing to see. We then power 130 fashion brands here, some of the leading names in contemporary to luxury fashion. And then we have a SaaS part of our business, which is software as a service where we can power fashion rental on behalf of retail brands and big high street stores as well. So I passionately believe that the hybrid approach to rental, everything under one roof, I want to make her the go-to place where if you're looking to redefine ownership and change the relationship with your wardrobe and be a bit more savvy. So was it your intention to always scale your business through partnerships with other brands or did it happen organically? I think yes. I was always quite strategic about how I wanted to build a business as an early stage startup. Cash is king. So it was really important for me that I could take the time to think about who those key partnerships were that were going to help really scale my business as quickly as possible. How do you choose those brands? So I think it's a mix. Half of our partnerships are fashion brands. So we're trying to get fashion brands for the first ever time to try something new, which is fashion rental. And then the other part of our partnerships team are all about brand building, brand awareness and engaging our her community. So you're talking about retailers, brands, designers who have never, ever thought about renting their clothes before. Never thought about renting their clothes before. Three and a half years ago when I started Her, the idea of fashion rental was a very new idea in fashion. And I begged four fashion brands to give me some clothes. I proved to all four brands that we could make rental not only part of their ESG and sustainability criteria, credentials, tick that box for them, but also a hugely profitable part of their business. So we have scaled our brand partnerships from four to 130 in under two years. I'd really love you to share why partnerships are so much more lucrative than selling to individuals. So for us, we are always leveraging our brand partners audience. So rather than just talking about fashion rental to a group and a community of amazing people who love fashion rental, we're capitalizing on that brand or retailers massive reach. And at a time where it is hard to acquire customers, Mm. everyone is looking to acquire customers effectively. We are always trying to find smart ways of doing so. And for me, collaboration is the single best way of doing so that is low cost but high reward. Do you examine potential ROI as you would with other channels and how easy is that to measure? 
Yes, we do. What we want to do is rewrite how wholesale works in fashion. So it is our sole mission at her to extend the lifespan of clothing. So on average, we can rent a dress 20 times. So you're getting 20 rentals from one item of clothing Mm. before we then go on to sell that item. So we are completely rewriting how the fashion industry works and also making sure that the customer who wants to discover a new brand or to try something new, feel amazing, but doesn't have the purchasing power or just frankly wants to discover a brand and not necessarily own it straight away can do so through the platform so it's been a really exciting partnership curve what i'm hearing from you is that you can take one dress for example and extract way more value out of it by renting it 20 times as opposed to selling it once how do you offset that with the logistical cleaning storage you know how are you looking at the numbers when it comes to what you can make from a dress So we have a rental hybrid business. So I passionately believe the future of fashion is a platform that does lots of things under one roof. So we have a peer-to-peer community under our managed brand, which is all 130 of our partnerships. I think the key to partnership is making it as easy for the brand as possible. So we do everything end to end, literally 100% of everything, dry cleaning, picking, packing, dealing with what is a very complex reverse logistics business. We have built a business on some of the most unsexy parts of our business. (laughs) Dry cleaning. Um, dry cleaning not sexy <laughs> it's not sexy but we do it in-house under one roof and we can turn a garment through our dry cleaning business in under 20 minutes which is really quite something when you scale that up into tens of thousands of units we started really small some of the best advice i've ever received is doing things that don't scale and i wanted to make sure for those four initial brands that were brave enough to try it when i sold the idea to them i wanted to make sure that i test and learn and continuously iterated through that process we now power fashion rental here in the uk for some of the biggest brands brands, luxury brands, contemporary brands and biggest retailers. So it's really important that we went on that test and learn journey. And as you can imagine, over a nearly four year period, there've been lots of things that go right and lots of things that go wrong. And I feel like we finally hit that fit about how to scale what I'm really impressed by my team and I have been able to build. How do you manage with those partners shared spend? Because again, going back to like the numbers when you're thinking about, you know, your cash flow forecast, how you're going to grow this business, what to choose to invest in. Marketing is a key part of that. Do you ever split those costs with your partners and how does that work? Yes, we do. In the early days, I think I leveraged the brand power of much larger retailers who had much bigger budgets than we do. I think generally a 50-50 split is a fair way to go into a deal. It proves to the brands that we're co-invested in something as much as they are. It can change in terms of how we establish that ROI. But I think both parties have to be financially incentivized to make that work for the partnership to be ultimately successful. Have you ever done a partnership or a collaboration that has cost you money, but has been amazing for brand building? Absolutely. We do small events. We've done trips to Paris. We've done a trip a few weeks ago over summer here in London to a lavender field where we bought our amazing her community and this amazing group of people who come out. They rent outfits and it's a pure get together. Sometimes they are quite costly and you can't drive the same ROI that I can through a traditional fashion partnership. But for me, and I think as a CEO, one of your key roles is deciding what's going to drive the ROI and profitability and what is a brand build and really important to say thank you to your community to make them the center of your business because without a community you don't have a business. Talk to me about deal making and especially being a young female CEO negotiating contracts and partnerships. Did you ever feel like any partnerships were unfair or that they didn't benefit you or that you felt like you might have been taken advantage of? 
So if you ask my parents, I think they'd say negotiation was my superpower. And I think it stood me in good stead. I love negotiating. And I think as a founder and CEO, it is your job to sell. You are sell, sell, selling all day, every day, even in your sleep. And I could do the her pitch tomorrow, today, in the next 30 seconds. That's what drives me. That's what I know I'm good at. And that's where I utilize my skill set on the selling side. It's hard when sometimes you're a small startup and lots of brands have a lot of power in terms of how they want things done. But what I've found, especially from our 130 brand partners, is them being super agile and innovative in the way they think and looking at us as the expert. And that's definitely changed as our business has matured and we've grown in data and power. So to answer your question, everything we do is super data driven. And I think actually when you're in that position of negotiation, numbers do talk. That's a really great tip, actually. So even though you're small, it's highly likely that you're closer to the trend or the communities. And actually, you can leverage that expertise to take into a big company when you're negotiating. But give me your top negotiating tip for anyone who's never done it before. Imagine a young founder has a product. She's walking into the boardroom. There's 10 people around a table. What one piece of advice would you give her for negotiating? what is in it for the partner. I think as a small founder or you're launching a brand, it's all about you when actually when it comes to negotiating, it is not about you. It is about what that other platform brand person is getting out of the deal. And I think the more you can make it about someone else or another company and what they're getting off the back of a partnership with you, the better. And to your point on large businesses, I remember being terrified and going up in lots of lifts to important you know, meeting rooms and offices all across London and actually just really feeling feeling like I had something valuable to offer as a really high growth, innovative company that was thinking in a way that I knew was going to be the way everyone saw the world in five years time. And maybe that was because I was young, perhaps a bit ignorant about how the big wide world works. But it stood me in really good stead that I genuinely believe that our mission at her is the right way to grow a business and to partner with large brands and we can solve a problem. So I think you've got to back yourself and think about the partner. I know that for myself as a consumer focused founder, the shift to B2B or partnerships can actually be quite difficult because the hit is not instant. You have to do a sell cycle. I'm learning all of this as I move to B2B. And that sell cycle can take a hell of a long time and it can feel like you're climbing up a mountain all the time. How long is your sell cycle? It really varies. For smaller fashion brands, we have launched a company, when I say overnight, overnight, within 24 hours. For our large retail partnerships, it can take anywhere from a couple of months up to a year because this is a big investment commitment and they want to make sure that the story lands correctly as well. So I think as a founder, you always want to go, go, go and you want immediate results. And it's been a learning curve for me too, that large partnerships take time, especially like your business and mine we're trying to change the way that people live their day to day. And that's not going to happen overnight. And I think that's a hard thing to get over when you want immediate results. How do you learn to manage the no's? So I love a no. I see a no as a not now. And generally what we've seen, I think, going from four brand partners to over 130 in under two years is there is just definitely a domino effect. And I think once one brand launches, you know, very often we get brands that we've spoken to a year ago that are now interested in the conversation. So generally, I think most brands are very polite when they turn us down. And I think it's my job to educate, hold their hands and take them on this journey. When someone does give you a no for a brand partnership, 
what things can you do in between the no and the next yes to support them in that decision-making process? So for us, it is all about data, data, data. Everything we do, I want to prove to these brands why they're missing an opportunity not doing rental. So do you send them like an email or something? Like, do you have a list of leads that you send a newsletter to, for example? Absolutely. We try and do a slightly higher touch one-to-one where our partnerships team are on the phone. We're doing Zooms every hour of every day at the moment where we're saying to our brands, okay, in the last three months, here are the trends we're seeing. Here is why there is more demand than ever for X said brand. So I think when it comes down to it, there is a market shift, which is going in our favour, which helps speed up that no to a yes. I think macro trends are really important for brand partnerships, actually, because the bigger the company is, typically the slower they move. And they tend to be thinking in 5, 10, 15 year cycles, right? So when you look at a trend, for example, of sustainability, of climate change, of what millennial and Gen Z girls want to wear, you can essentially tell them we are riding the wave, if not pioneering macro trends that are happening. These things aren't happening a week on Instagram, for example. These are happening over a longer period of time. How do you communicate the macro trends? Do you do like trend reports or do you do any content creation around it? We do both trend reports and content creation. For me, I don't want change in 2028 and 2038. I want change next today. week. Today. Today. Yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> but, you know, fashion is one of the most polluting industries in the whole world. And we rapidly need to change how we consume fashion and I feel so passionately about it. And retailers, they have top-down pressure and fashion brands from their exec level and also a bottom-up pressure from consumers that want to see smart, innovative ways, whether it's resell, rental, repair, recycle, as part of their business models. So for me, it's marrying up those two pressures in a way that's really easy so that when I say to them, okay, give me 100 dresses, let me prove to you that this is going to work, it's fairly low lift and it's a fairly low ask for big, big retailers out there. That's, That's how I normally start. So Victoria, you've raised £5 million to fund your business. I'm really interested in when you were going through the pitch process, how did the VCs take the model of D2C versus B2B versus SaaS? Because typically when you're pitching, they want you to focus on just one. Absolutely. We have a complex business model. There is no doubt about it. But I believe, A, it's the future and it's the way we can scale a big, big business. And B, that it's truly defensible. That takes a very perfected pitch, shall I say, to communicate in really a couple of minutes what is a complex business. So I fully believe the hybrid is the future of fashion. And actually, I have super supportive investors that back that all three parts of the business are as valuable as each other. And it's my job to deliver three excellently well rather than three averagely. So I spend a lot of my time within a fairly small team here in London delivering basically three businesses under one roof. And I'm sure you have the same problem. That means that your time has to be prioritised very, very ruthlessly because there are a lot of big decisions to make and there are lots changing day to day like every other founder. So for me, it comes down to finding strategic investors who understand the big macro opportunity and back me as the founder to deliver what hopefully is going to be a big business. Victoria, thank you so much for your valuable insights today. I've learned to think strategically about partnerships. I think it's brilliant that you went in with that intention that that's how you're going to scale your business. Always think, does this partnership benefit the customer? You're such a customer-centric company, so always having them sat at the table, invisible in the room. And then also to practice your negotiation skills, which I could not recommend enough. 
Negotiation has completely changed my life, understanding how it works, how it functions, etc. And then finally, really thinking what's in it for the partner. How does it benefit your brand, your collaborator, your partner, and making sure it works for them? Thank you for having me. Make sure you check out the Business Clash Trends and Insights Hub for the latest articles and videos on everything related to small business finances at americanexpress.com forward slash UK forward slash business class. And don't forget to subscribe to the Business Class Money Minutes, which you'll find wherever you get your podcasts. You'll never miss an episode. Until next time, from me, Sharmadine Reid, and the entire Business Class Money Minutes team, goodbye and take care. No matter the size of your business, American Express has your back. Our range of business cards gives you greater control over your cash flow, so you'll have the flexibility to respond to change and chase opportunities. Plus, you can earn rewards from your day-to-day spend and invest it back into your business. Visit americanexpress.com slash uk slash business card to learn more. Terms apply.